Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You are locked on Timberwolves. Your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. I'm also the editor of Dunking With Wolves, the Timberwolves site on the Fan Side of Network. Happy Tuesday, everybody, and happy Timberwolves game day. The Wolves take on the Pelicans tonight in New Orleans. And uh, as they look to extend what's currently a four-game winning streak, we're going to close the show by talking about that. Got a lot to get to before we preview Wolves-Pels. Uh, let's get to that in just a second, though. First of all, thank you for making Locked On Wolves your first listen each and every day. Locked On Wolves is, of course, free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, the all-new Odyssey app, and more. You can also follow on Twitter at LockedOnTWolves and at BBeacon with two Bs, two Es, CK. Yet. All right. As mentioned, I do want to talk Wolves Pelicans. We haven't checked in on the Pelicans in quite some time. So we'll get to that a little bit later. First, though, I want to hit a few trade deadline notes off the top. Some quick hitters, uh, nothing major related to the Timberwolves, but it's time that we start paying attention to everything that's that's kind of whispered out there and uh, what big names are still available as the Wolves are a legitimate playoff contender at this point. It would be a massive disappointment if they didn't make at least the play in tournament. Um, so we'll talk through that. And then also power rankings. And I want to touch just a little bit on the streaks, the, the peaks and valleys of the season so far. That's that's obviously been a theme of the Wolf season, um, but but it seems just especially true this year. It is especially true, really. And, and I'll break down those numbers here in just a little bit. So let's start with the trade deadline notes. So this all really comes from Sham Sharani of The Athletic. Of course, uh, The Athletic is a subscription service, so you do need to subscribe to read the full article. I'm not going to read very much here word for word, but... Shams did mention the Timberwolves once in his article that posted, uh, let's see, when did this post? Um, this was actually, it did post on on Monday. Uh, so relatively, so extremely new news. Um, the only Timberwolves mention was related to Ben Simmons. And really the report is that Simmons is still available. He's still the biggest name in the trade market. And uh, it still seems likely that, that the Philadelphia 76ers trade Ben Simmons the Wolves are still being listed as a team that's interested. The Atlanta Hawks, Sacramento Kings, Portland Trailblazers, Timberwolves, and the Indiana Pacers are all listed as being interested. Now, the interesting thing about all those teams is the Wolves are the only one that's at 500 or better. Um, Portland's obviously had a terrible season. The Pacers have had a really disappointing season. Sacramento's still Sacramento. And the Atlanta Hawks have also had a really disappointing season. Put them in the same category as Indiana. Um, teams that everybody expected, like, hey, you know, the Hawks are, I mean, they went to the conference finals last year, right? And maybe they were, they certainly were, I guess, a little bit ahead of schedule, but they're currently, as we see it here right now, what, five games below 500, the Pacers are 10 games below 500, the Blazers are nine games below 500, the Kings are 10 games below 500, and here's the Timberwolves at exactly 500, and they're the profile, the sort of team that, hey, you add another superstar to Towns Russell Edwards, and you've got yourself essentially four stars, and you vault yourself from six, seven, eight in the West to probably you know, somewhere in the two, three, four range in the West. Now, 
the last time we talked about Ben Simmons was really early in the season when the Wolves were what, like three and seven or something. And uh, this, this felt like, you know, Hey, the Timberwolves have to do something. It's a little more difficult to wrap our heads around, you know, the Wolves on a four game winning streak. They're healthy, knock on wood. They're 20 and 20. They're at 500. They're currently in the eight spot in the West. They're only a couple games out of the five spot in the West. It's realistic to discuss, could they get out of the play-in conversation entirely, get above the seven seed, six or higher, and not have to play in the play-in round? So why bother with Simmons? Well, obviously, Simmons is still an all-star. He's still an all-defense player. So if you can you can have that conversation, you, you need to have that conversation. But the Sixers are no doubt still asking for Edwards, um, which who the Wolves are no doubt not going to trade. The Sixers may settle for D'Angelo Russell, but as we'll talk about a little bit later, the Wolves are 17 and 12 when D'Lo starts for them this year. So uh, why would the Wolves, at the sitting here right now, would it make sense to trade D'Angelo Russell in a trade for Ben Simmons? No. Um, so unless the Sixers are willing to settle for Jaden McDaniels and, you know, obviously Malik Beasley, you're going to have to get to that salary. So it's what, Prince, Beasley, McDaniels, and probably another salary to to get to that threshold to make the deal work. And at least three picks. I mean, how else would this work? The Sixers would have to convince themselves that they could use Beasley as a as a starting piece in their lineup to make the playoffs and, and obviously make the playoffs and make some noise in the East. And that McDaniels could blossom into something, you know, certainly a starting caliber player or greater, right? I, I don't think the Sixers are, if that's what the Wolves are trying to sell, I don't think the Sixers would buy that as of today. Um, I think it's really unlikely the Wolves land Ben Simmons at any point before the end of this season, unless he sits out the rest of the year and it's a conversation in the summer, depending on how the season ends for the Wolves and for the Sixers for that matter. I don't think that's a very likely thing that would go down. Um, but again, the Wolves are the best team of those that are reportedly interested. And we, uh, we've we talked at length in the past and everybody knows about the Simmons-Towns connection and how well he would fit with the Timberwolves. Now, part of this was... We were concerned about the Timberwolves defense. And as it turns out, they're a top 10 defense, no matter how you slice it, no matter what metric you're looking at, the Wolves are one of the 10 best defenses in the league right now, a game shy of the midway point in the season. So the need for Simmons feels a lot less serious at this point, mostly because Vanderbilt, McDaniels, Patrick Beverly have made such an impact defensively and the likes of D'Angelo Russell, uh, you know, Anthony Edwards to a lesser extent, the Beasleys and Noels of the world have improved defensively incrementally enough to the point that they're not, you know, the Wolves don't often have point of attack issues defensively uh, as they have in past years. Sometimes they do, but but not nearly as much as they used to. So the need, the want for Ben Simmons feels a lot less urgent than it did in October. Now, of course, they, the Wolves could turn around and lose five straight. And now we're right back to talking about this again and saying, oh man, they're only a couple games out of the playoffs or whatever, a couple games out of the play and or in their number 10 spot. Could they jump to number five if they had Ben Simmons? So get back to me in two weeks, we could be having a completely different conversation. But I think really... As soon as the Timberwolves started to improve defensively at the start of the year, this became much tougher for me, at least, to wrap my mind around. That said, if you could get Ben Simmons and not trade Edwards, obviously not Towns, Russell, if you could keep those three out of it and get Ben Simmons, you got to get Ben Simmons, right? I just don't think the Sixers are about to entertain that. And I don't think Wolves fans should fool themselves into thinking that that's a realistic possibility. Uh, one other thing to mention from Shams' article, the Timberwolves are not mentioned related to anybody else in the article, but Shams does spend some time on the Pacers and talks about Miles Turner. It's documented that he's been unhappy with his role in Indiana. He mentions that Demonis Sabonis is less likely to be traded, that the, the Pacers would rather keep him. Um, and John Collins of the Hawks is apparently really frustrated with his role. Of course, he signed the big extension 
just prior to the season, or I guess in restricted free agency, and his uh, usage rate and scoring has dipped uh, each of the past three seasons, including obviously this year. And the Hawks have been really bad. And Collins is starting to to talk more publicly about his role. Excuse me, his role in Atlanta. Talking about, uh, he said after the Hawks lost on Friday night to the Lakers, he talked about how it's unacceptable that. Um, they're not doing what's necessary to win, et cetera. And Shams is reporting that there's multiple sources saying he's just frustrated about his very specific role in Atlanta. So who knows? I mean, maybe Collins is traded, but now we're talking salary matching again. It's almost impossible to get that to happen without trading one of the guys you don't want to trade on the Timberwolves, um, given where his salary is at now. So Collins is less likely. Sabonis seems like he's not untouchable, but the Pacers aren't going to take what the Wolves would offer. Miles Turner, again, the Wolves not mentioned as a potential suitor, but the Wolves have been mentioned previously as interested in Turner. I've talked about on this show how I think he's an absolutely perfect fit next to Carl Anthony Towns, and you could play Towns essentially at the four and Turner at the five if you had Miles Turner. Jared Vanderbilt's emergence changes things. Um, now, if you could upgrade Jaden McDaniels and some of Nas Reed's minutes to Miles Turner and keep Vanderbilt in the rotation at 25, 28, 30 minutes a game, that's another conversation. Again, I don't know what you're giving up to get Miles Turner. I don't think that Jaden McDaniels, Malik Beasley, and a pick are enough, but maybe they are. Um, now, the Pacers, if they're not willing to trade Sabonis, they may or may not be willing to actually admit that they're that they're rebooting. So perhaps you can convince them to take Malik Beasley back. Um, you know, maybe they're shopping Malcolm Brogdon. I don't know. Maybe that's a possibility. Um, that's a conversation that at least could be had. I think of all those names of of uh, Sabonis, John Collins. And Ben Simmons, I think Miles Turner would be the more likely trade candidate that the Timberwolves could actually have a shot at landing. But again, far from uh, far from likely. I would say it's still very unlikely the Wolves make a significant move at the deadline. But we'll see. All right. I want to get into power rankings quickly and then also just kind of look at the streaky season the Wolves have had before we preview Wolves-Pelicans. So we're going to do all of that next. First, though, let's talk about our outstanding friends over at betonline.ag. We're finally in 2022, and Bet Online would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue the march to the playoffs. Now in the NFL, playoffs start this weekend, and we're uh, what halfway through basketball season now. Uh, Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. It's a new year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our special promo code Locked On to get started at Bet Online. From football to basketball, hockey to boxing, and UFC, right on down to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available. For 2022, Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet Online where the game starts. All right, uh, let's talk schedule and power rankings. Uh, by the way, though, thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen again. For your next listen, check out the Lockdown Now podcast, nightly recaps of every NBA game with analysis from our local experts. Listen to Lockdown Now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or simply watch it on the Lockdown NBA YouTube channel. All right, let's talk power rankings. So we usually do this on uh, well, I guess it is Tuesday. We usually do it on Wednesday's show because typically the Wolves haven't been playing on Tuesdays this year, but they're playing Tuesday this week. So we'll do it on Tuesday. Uh, the Wolves currently at NBA.com, who this is my favorite. Well, actually, let's start with ESPN. ESPN is probably the, the the next best ranking site. They have the Timberwolves at number 16, up from 19 last week. Um, and they note D'Angelo Russell's, basically one of his 
one of his worst shooting years of his career, yet the impact he's had on the floor is significant. Uh, Minnesota, this is according, this is uh, via ESPN's power rankings. It says the Timberwolves are outscoring opponents by 16.7 points per 100 possessions with Russell on the floor. Then they also mentioned what I mentioned in the first segment is that the Timberwolves are 17 and 12 when D'Angelo Russell plays and two and eight when he doesn't. Um, Now, how much of that is, you know, other factors, schedule, other guys that have been out at the same time. Of course, some of Russell missing games more recently. Towns was also out, as was Anthony Edwards, et cetera. Um, however, it's undeniable, and, and the points per 100 possessions kind of underscores that the Wolves have been better with D'Lo on the floor. Part of that is because he's incrementally improved his defense. I mentioned that earlier as well. That matters, and the fact that he's simply trying defensively, which, I mean, he just hasn't in previous years. He's been trying defensively this year. Talked about this before. He's big. He's smart. He's a, a heady player on both ends of the floor, and that goes a long way. He's also picked his spots much better than he did the first couple of weeks of the season. And even though he's only shooting he's under forty percent from the field and under four, under thirty four percent from three point range, well below league average compared to his career average, which is right around league average, um, the Timberwolves are far better with him on the floor. So I thought that that was a, a good nugget for ESPN to have in there. But they're at sixteen on ESPN's ranking up from 19 last week. On NBA.com's by John Schumann, which is my favorite power rankings, the Timberwolves jumped all the way from 20 to 15 in this week's NBA.com power rankings. And interestingly, John has the Timberwolves at number six, uh, or excuse me, number eight in defensive rating. Um, Basketball Reference has them at number nine, so I guess it's not that interesting because it's only a point apart. I think I was mixing up the defensive rating number and the pace number. Um, So he's got them at number eight in defensive rating, according to the NBA, the stats.nba.com numbers, and 19th in offensive rating, which they're out of the bottom 10 for the first time in a while. I think they briefly got out of the bottom 10 back uh, right during that hot streak around Thanksgiving, the Miami win, some of those uh, where they won like, what, six out of seven or something. This is the first time since then, I believe, that they've been out of the bottom 10 in terms of offensive efficiency. Um, and their league ranking. Schumann talks about who he coined as the greatest lineup ever. We've talked a lot on the show about that. And then also I've written about it at Dunking with Wolves that the Timberwolves starting lineup, the preferred starting lineup with Patrick Beverly and D'Lo in the backcourt. And also, of course, Edwards, Vanderbilt and Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, last week against the Thunder was a plus 17 in just 15 minutes. And they're now a plus 141 in 142 minutes, which is absurd. And that was against the Thunder last Wednesday. Of course, Pat Bev missed both Friday and Sunday's games and is now, uh, he's still questionable for Tuesday's game against the Pelicans. Um, and Schumann goes on to talk about Towns doing damage in the paint against the Rockets. Uh, we talked about that on the postgame pod Monday night. And my take on it was, it was as impressive that the Timberwolves didn't overdo it with Towns in the post. He simply dominated on the offensive glass, a little bit in transition and a couple of post-up opportunities, but he scored at every level against the Rockets. And I mean, you, generally have to do that to score 40 points. And that's exactly what he did. Um, and then uh, Schumann goes on to talk, and this will be kind of my my segue into, uh, into talking schedule. Schumann notes that the Wolves are back into eighth place in the West. They're back to 500. And he says their most efficient offensive game of the season came with their three leading scorers, of course, Towns, Russell, and Edwards, combining for 72 points with an effective field goal percentage of 75% against the Grizzlies back in November. But then prior to that, they'd lost to the Grizzlies. Remember, early, early in the season, they had a 16-point, the Wolves did, a 16-point fourth-quarter lead and lost to Memphis. Um, now, this is the, I guess, the rubber match, if you will. The third time they'll face the Grizzlies, they'll be in Memphis on Thursday. So the Wolves have to take care of business against 
the Pelicans. We'll talk more about that here in a minute on Tuesday. They could take a five-game winning streak into Memphis, where, of course, the Grizzlies are still riding high. They've won nine in a row. John Morant had the massive, uh, ridiculous block on Sunday night that everybody's still talking about. Um, And, I mean, we'll see what happens on Thursday. We have plenty of time to talk about that. But the Wolves could have a real shot to make a statement, extend a winning streak potentially to six, not looking past the Pelicans, but maybe to six, and then go back home after beating the you know everybody's darling right now, the Grizzlies on Thursday. That's that's all on the table here, uh, and then the schedule continues to be difficult after after Memphis. I mean, you got Golden State uh, soon here. We've got Phoenix again. Um, the schedule itself is going to be a little bit daunting. I wanted to mention the streaks of this season. So, I mean, if you're if you're a Timberwolves fan, you know, if I just said it's been a streaky season, you're not in along with me. We all know that. But to see it laid out like this, Alan Horton, uh, the Timberwolves, of course, fantastic radio broadcaster, posted the streaks uh, on Twitter. He just listed out the records um, kind of in segments over the season so far. And it's crazy to see it this way. Timberwolves started the season three and one. Then they went a horrific one and eight. Because remember, they were at three and their record was three and seven, but they went one and eight, which means that they were four and nine. So three and seven, then they were four and nine. And then they went seven and one, which is when they won that six out of seven, or I guess seven out of eight that I mentioned a moment ago. So then their overall record at that point was 11 and 10. They were game above 500. They proceed to lose five consecutive games. Then they win four straight. Then they lose five of six. They go one and five in that next six games. And now they're on a four game winning streak. So three and one, one and eight, seven and one, oh, and five, four and oh, one and five, four and oh. And where do we sit today? 20 and 20. Eighth in the Western Conference with, you know, really just, I think it's a game and a half behind the five spot and the Dallas Mavericks. I mean, everything's in front of the Timberwolves. Uh, they're they're healthy now. Again, knock on wood. Patrick Beverly's the only guy who's, who's questionable on the injury report as of now for Tuesday. And there are some, well, they're difficult games. There's a lot of Western Conference opponents upcoming. The Wolves have a chance to get some tiebreaker advantages. Um, and they've played well against the teams around them in the standings, the likes of the Lakers. Um, and, uh, you know, I guess more recently they played better. I, I guess they already lost the season series to the Clippers, but they beat the Clippers recently. Um, and it's it's good to see them competing and defeating some of these teams that are in kind of that same realm as them in the Western Conference. Okay, let's close the show today by talking about the New Orleans Pelicans and the Timberwolves and what that matchup looks like heading into uh, heading into Tuesday's game. So we're going to do that here next. All right, let's talk Wolves-Pelicans. So Believe it or not, the Timberwolves had played the Pelicans three times already. I think on Monday I said they played them twice early in the season. I completely forgot about the third matchup, which was, uh, what was it? I think the Wolves were, I don't know, this was this was like mid-November, I think? At the time, the Timberwolves, let's see. Uh, yeah, about mid-November. The Pelicans were still absolutely reeling. After the Wolves beat the Pelicans in their third meeting, they were 3-16, and 16, New Orleans was. They played a lot better since that point and are now sitting at... 14 and 26. So since that point, they've gone 11 and 10. Still no Zion Williamson, of course. And since then, Kyra Lewis Jr., unfortunately, is now out for the season with the knee injury, uh, which is, of course, devastating. Um, exciting young player for New Orleans. But otherwise, they're relatively healthy. I, I recognize it's significant to not have Zion and not have Kyra Lewis Jr., but um, they're relatively healthy otherwise and have given the Timberwolves some, some trouble in previous meetings for a couple of reasons. Number one, uh, Jonas Valanciunas absolutely is is just a an, well he's a load for anybody, but really for Carl Anthony Towns he struggled against Valanciunas in, in the season 
well, not season opener. This was the Wolves' second game, the Pelicans' third. So way back opening weekend, late October, Valanciunas had 20 and 17 in a seven-point Timberwolves win. Uh, Brandon Ingram was great, too. He had 30 points. But other than that, it was all Valanciunas. 20 points, 17 rebounds, shot 6 of 10, perfect 8 of 8 at the free-throw line. And uh, Carl Anthony Towns had a good game himself, 25 points, but just four rebounds. He had five turnovers, and he fouled out in just 29 minutes against Valanciunas. Again, the Wolves won that game, but Valanciunas was an absolute uh, monster. Next time out, two days later, or actually, yeah, I think it was two days later, Saturday to Monday, if, if I'm not mistaken, the Wolves played the same Pelicans in Minnesota, and this time the Pelicans won by nine. Carl Anthony Towns had a big game this time around, 32-14-7, and seven, and only committed three turnovers, only three fouls. But Valanciunas dropped a 22 and 23, 22 points, 23 rebounds against the Wolves in 39 minutes. And again, got to line eight times, again, made all eight of his free throws. And Brandon Ingram was good again, 27 points, nine rebounds. But this was all about Valanciunas just kind of dominating in the paint. Now, different story the third time around. When the Wolves went to New Orleans, they won this game by 14. Valanciunas had five fouls in 19 minutes, was in major foul trouble in this game, and managed only 13.6 rebounds. And Carl Anthony Towns had another double-double, 28-10, and and uh, shot 10-21 from the field. Solid game in 35 minutes against the Pelicans. And Brandon Ingram did not do much at all. After playing really well in the first two games, Brandon Ingram had nine points on 13 shots and six turnovers in New Orleans when the Wolves beat them uh, in game three. So what's been the common thread? Well, Valanciunas has had two really good games. Brandon Ingram's had two really good games. Um, And of course, neither of them played well in the game that the Wolves won by double figures. Carlton Towns has played pretty well across the board, except for the four rebound game when Valanciunas really kind of ate his lunch in the paint. And outside of Valanciunas, I mean, the, the Pelicans have some guys who are pretty good at rebounding their positions. They're actually a pretty good rebounding team overall. But there isn't that much that should scare the Timberwolves. Uh, obviously, Brandon Ingram's a really good player, um, but that's kind of it. And, and I remember saying the last time the Wolves faced the Pelicans, if you can make life difficult for Ingram and at least contest shots from the other guys on the team, you should be just fine against the Pelicans. And that remains the case. Uh, New Orleans is a bottom five offense. They're 25th in offensive rating. They're a bottom five defense, 25th in defensive rating. They're not a good shooting team either. They're 25th in three-point shooting percentage. And they're 22nd in three-point attempts per game, 22nd in three-point uh, three point attempt rate. Only 38% of their shot attempts come from outside the arc. So they don't take that many threes. And when they do, they generally don't make them. So really, stop Brandon Ingram, get Valanciunas into foul trouble, and you'll be golden. Um, now, the Pelicans are a good rebounding team. They're third in defensive rebound rate. The Timberwolves are, are finally creeping up that list a little bit. I think they're 27th right now in defensive rebound rate. They've been 30th for most of the season. And while the Pelicans don't shoot the ball well from their perimeter and generally aren't a good offense, they do damage on the offensive glass and they also get to the free throw line where they are a good free throw shooting team. So this is a this is why the Pelicans are a, a, a somewhat difficult matchup for the Wolves. Don't get me wrong, Minnesota will be favored and they should be and they should win this game, a healthy Wolves team over a Zionless Pelicans team. However, the Pelicans' strengths match up with the Wolves' weaknesses well for New Orleans. They are good at getting to the line. They make their free throws. The Timberwolves are still dead last, easily league-wide in terms of personal fouls per game and opponent free throw rate. They allow opponents to get to the line a lot. The Pelicans get to the line a lot. Also, the Pelicans are really good at rebounding. They're top five in rebound rate on both ends of the floor. That's, of course, led by Jonas Valanciunas, but 
Uh, Brandon Ingram's a good rebounder. Josh Hart, uh, he didn't play the last time out, so he's I believe he's questionable against the Wolves on Tuesday. He's a really good rebounder for his position. He rebounds his position well. And across the board, the Pelicans are just strong rebounders on both ends of the floor. That's how the Wolves could kick this game away. If Valanciunas doesn't get into foul trouble, and say Towns does, say that the Wolves uh, you know, commit too many fouls, the Pelicans are, it's a parade to the free throw line all night, and second chance points. It's kind of the recipe that that uh, the Thunder used to stay in the game last Wednesday uh, when the Wolves squeaked out a 98-90 win at home against a, a bad Oklahoma City team. The Thunder stayed in the game because they won the points of the paint battle and they drew even in rebounding with the Timberwolves and they had no business doing that. If the Wolves let a team like this Pelicans team with a dangerous score in Ingram and, and a player who's given Towns fits in Valanciunas, they let them hang around, this could turn into that sort of a game. And that's how the Wolves could lose. Second chance points, opponent free throw attempts. Um, now, the Pelicans do turn it over a fair amount. The Wolves, of course, well-documented, are the best in the league at turning their opponent over. So um, if Minnesota can force some turnovers, can 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 make the Pelicans make some mistakes with the basketball, make them be careless, then it could be another blowout. I mean, the Wolves could, could head for their third consecutive blowout win on the road, and they should. Again, they should. A healthy Wolves team should beat a Zionless Pelicans team with ease. However, there is a path for the Pelicans to play well as they did in Minnesota uh, way back in October. So certainly don't uh, count these chickens before they hatch. We'll, of course, do the postgame pod immediately following Wolves-Pelicans, and that'll post late Tuesday. And then, of course, on Thursday, we'll preview Wolves-Grizzlies, which should be a really fun game. Memphis is a ton of fun to watch. Obviously, John Morant is awesome, and, and that team in general, I just I love their roster. Um, and they're, I mean, what, a step ahead of the Wolves in the process of, of uh, rebuilding, taking a young team from, you know, this cute story that might make the playoffs to, hey, they're a legit Western Conference contender. They very well could get home court advantage in the playoffs. The Wolves may be a year away from that. The Grizzlies took that first kind of mini step last year. So it should be a lot of fun to see Wolves-Grizzlies on Thursday. We haven't seen them in a little while. Um, so all that to say, uh, Wolves-Pelicans Tuesday night should be a ton of fun. We will have the postgame pod immediately following. Thank you to those of you that do make Locked on Wolves your first listen each and every day. It's greatly appreciated. Of course, the show is free and available everywhere. That includes YouTube, as well as your favorite audio platform, whether that's Apple, Google, Spotify, or perhaps it's the all-new Odyssey app, or really anywhere. Um, you can also follow on Twitter at Locked on T-Wolves and at B-Beacon with two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. That's all we have for you today. Thanks again for listening to Locked on Wolves, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. And you've already made Lockdown Wolves your first listen. We thank you very much for that. You can also make your second listen, Lockdown Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Lockdown Bets is hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked on Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.